Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11, called The Attitude of Christ. As we move through the book of Philippians, we've come to a jewel of a text, and it is the attitude of Christ. It's located in Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11. This would be the centerpiece of the book, probably one of the most uh, incredible texts of all the New Testament, and it has to do with the attitude of Christ and the deity of Christ and then how that challenges us. So we're going to read it together. If you're able to stand with us, would you stand for the reading of God's word? Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11, the attitude of Christ. It reads this way. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Father, thank you so much for this gathering on this Lord's Day and to be able to uh, peer into a text that is just filled with gold, beauty, power, application, so much, Lord. And Thank you for it. Thank you for breathing it out so we can take it in. And we pray that it would change us, that it would be truly transformational in our lives on many levels, not just on the theology side, but also on the application side. So would you bless your people? They've come to hear from you. And I pray that that would be indeed the case, that you'd be glorified in the way we divide your word, but also in the way we respond to it. We have ears to hear what you would say to your church in this hour in Jesus' name. If you agree, would you say amen? Amen. Marshall points out that Philippians 2, 5 through 11 is a hymn with three stages. It has the pre-existence of Christ, and I'll give you these headings as we move through, or his equality with God, his humiliation, and then his exaltation. So you could say a three-point sermon on uh, who Jesus is, how he humbled himself, and how he will ultimately be exalted. So there is a prophetic aspect to Philippians 2 when it talks about every knee bow, every tongue will confess. The difference between what Paul normally does in this particular text is that Paul, in many of the New Testament letters, will start with theology and then move to responsibility or from doctrine to duty. So oftentimes he will lay out a doctrinal treatise of something And it will say, in light of this, this is how you should behave. This is your duty in response to the the teaching. But in this case, he flips it around and gives you the duty and then tells you why or gives you the doctrine. And this is unusual, but this is what we have 
in Philippians chapter 2. What he challenged us with is in verses 3 through 5 leading up uh, to our text. Do nothing, look at verse 3, from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Don't merely look out for your own personal interests to for, but also for the interests of others. And then what I would consider a bridge verse, so linking us to the previous section and then leading us into what's ahead, have this attitude or this mindset in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. Have this kind of approach to life. Let Jesus be your ultimate example of how to live. And of course, that's what we all want to do, right? We're all, those of you who are Christians, we are Christ followers, and we would all say, this is what we want. We want to be more like Jesus. We want to be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. And we know that it's not just about the example of Christ, because the power of his example is second to none. But we need more than imitation. We need impartation. And we're going to talk about the power that's available to us to live this out. Because this is higher than any of us could ever do. How could we have the mind of Christ? How can we have the same attitude? But this specific text is going to teach us how to do that. And the first thing I want to point out is have this attitude in yourselves is a Greek word called phronio. If you're taking notes, it's P-H-R-O-N-E-O. It means the exercise of your mind or be mentally disposed in a certain direction. The emphasis is on the idea of adopting a certain attitude. How many of you enjoy Chick-fil-A? Chick-fil-A is, uh, I don't know what it is about that chicken, but uh, I, I do uh, crave it quite often, despite how long the lines are. And uh, their employees are pretty incredible people. And every time they serve me, I say something like, thank you very much. And then they say, my pleasure. Now, the cynical side of me might say, was it really your pleasure? Or are you just trained to say that? But I will say they hire some pretty amazing people, much like in and out I think they look for a certain type of person with a certain positive attitude. And uh, I'm always blessed when I go there. Number one, I know what the company stands for. Number two, I like the chicken. Number three, I like it when someone says it's my pleasure to serve you. So there you go. And so for us as believers, the, the main emphasis of the text, if you will, from the application side, is this is what you need to do. You need to have this attitude. I need to have this attitude. This must be my mindset. When I wake up on a Monday morning, when I'm at work on a Wednesday, is to have this attitude in myself, which was also in Christ Jesus. And so that is the, the foundational example. The apostles were uh, listening to Jesus as he was heading towards Jerusalem in Mark chapter 10. And Jesus began to share with them what was going to happen to him. He prophesied his own death and resurrection a number of times in the New Testament. He said, I'm going to Jerusalem. They're going to mistreat me, scourge me, beat me, crucify me. And on the third day, I'm going to rise again. And James and John, right after that, in Mark's gospel, which is a fast-moving, uh, you know, uh, kind of, you might say, even truncated gospel, but it is uh, right to the point, Mark says that right after Jesus shares that word about his demise, 
James and John say, Lord, we want you to do something for us. We have a request of you. Right on the heels of that, we want you to let us sit on your right hand and on your left hand. Now, that's pretty amazing to me that right after Jesus says, I'm going to Jerusalem, they're going to mistreat me, I'm going to be crucified, I'm going to die, I'm going to rise, right away they go to me, myself, and I. Now, this is what we want you to do for us, Lord. Yeah, 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 you're going to die and all that, but we want to be able to sit on your right hand and on your left hand. And Jesus had to give many lessons about the attitude of his kingdom. He said, look, the, the rulers of the Gentiles, they lorded over one another. It's all about power for them. But for you, it's not that way in my kingdom. If you want to be great, you must be what? Servant of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And this is how that text ends, Mark ten forty five, And to give his life as a ransom for many. If you want to be like me, if you claim to follow me, you need to stop that selfishness and that pride stuff. And isn't that the heart of the text, right? And I I find in myself that the biggest challenge to doing this particular text, Philippians 2.5, is me. (laughs) Anybody else? Because I know I desire to do it, but I find another law working in my members, that is in my flesh, with a tendency to be selfish, a tendency to brush by the word that Jesus just gave me and get on to what I need and what I want and what my dreams are and can I have this and can I have that. And that's not the mindset of a believer. The mindset needs to be much different than that. It needs to be a mindset just like Jesus who condescended to come on a saving mission. He illustrates this when he washes the disciples' feet the night before he dies. And I think much to their shock, Peter even says, Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. And Jesus says, if I don't wash you, you have no part in me, Peter. And then Peter, as Peter normally would do, says, well, then douse me, Lord. You know, give me a bath. And Jesus says, at the end of the foot washing, it's familiar, I think, to most of you. He says, you call me master and Lord, and you're right. That's what I am. If I, your master and Lord, washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. I've given you an example, hear that word, that you should do as I have done for you. So the power of Christ's example. Uh, And of course, we know that the apostles failed and Peter failed on that same fateful night. But then the difference was the power of the Holy Spirit in Peter's life. And we're going to talk about that power in a moment. I've given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Now, the doctrinal uh, section now follows the application. So we move from a mindset to now who Jesus is and how far he condescended. And and here's kind of the big point behind Paul's uh, text here. If Christ was willing to leave the glories of heaven and become a man and die on a cross for you then can't you look out for one another's self-interest? Can't you put others above yourself? If this is how far God was willing to come down to save you, then can't you come down a little bit from your high horse? Can't you come down a little bit from your prideful ways? And can't you be more like me? You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. 
Hello, I'm Rob Newton, producer of Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance. And on behalf of Pastor Michael and the entire Walk in Truth team and the Church of Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California, thank you for listening today. If you're a longtime listener, thanks for investing your time in the Word of God and letting Pastor Michael help tour you through it. If you're a first-time listener, also welcome. There's plenty of content and plenty more teaching to come. We've got a lot of stuff archived just for you to get into many more books of the Bible. Pastor Michael's vision, along with the entire Walk in Truth team, is to help equip the body of Christ so that you have a better understanding of what the Word says, and as your faith grows, you can get into your community and better talk about your faith with your friends and family and anyone else in your neighborhood. Now, as we are just halfway through the year, it is my responsibility to remind you that this is a listener-supported ministry. At least we would like it to be. Airtime costs quite a bit for radio, and it's worth it for us to keep this ministry going. But we could use more support from listeners like you, especially if you are a longtime listener. Could you help us with our funds to be on the radio? All we ask is for a $5, $10, $20 a month commitment from you. Please prayerfully consider doing that. And then visit walkintruth.com, click donate, and click on the station you're listening to. And just follow the prompts. That's walkintruth.com, walkintruth.com, and click donate. Or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. And Jesus says, at the end of the foot washing, it's familiar, I think, to most of you. He says, you call me Master and Lord, and you're right, that's what I am. If I, your Master and Lord, washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. I've given you an example, hear that word, that you should do as I have done for you. So the power of Christ's example. Uh, And of course, we know that the apostles failed and Peter failed on that same fateful night. But then the difference was the power of the Holy Spirit in Peter's life. And we're going to talk about that power in a moment. I've given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Now, the doctrinal uh, section now follows the application. So we move from a mindset to now who Jesus is and how far he condescended. And and here's kind of the big point behind Paul's uh, text here. If Christ was willing to leave the glories of heaven and become a man and die on a cross for you then can't you look out for one another's self-interest? Can't you put others above yourself? If this is how far God was willing to come down to save you, then can't you come down a little bit from your high horse? Can't you come down a little bit from your prideful ways? And can't you be more like me? Well, what happened in the case of Christ is amazing. And verses six through eight, uh, scholars believe is a early hymn in the church called the Carmen Christi, if you're taking notes. The Carmen Christi is a hymn to Christ as to God. And scholars say that the hymn was pre-Pauline. What does that mean? 
that it was penned before Paul wrote Philippians, and that it was an early hymn, and scholars would say, maybe not even, even in the same way we think of a hymn where we would sing like an old hymn, but it was in a creed form. So it was either sung by the early church or orally shared by the church. And get this, they say it was most likely sung during early church communion services. Do you know what Sunday we have in front of us right now? This is a communion Sunday. And I'm not that smart. So I think the Lord has us here on a communion Sunday for a reason. And that is to commemorate this incredible, amazing text. Called the Carmen Christi, a hymn to Christ as to God, pre-Pauline, so that it was uh, something sung in the church and Paul took the, a few of the stanzas or a fragment of the hymn and put it in to the Philippians text because it fits perfectly with it. And yes, it is inspired scripture. It was just around orally, if you will, written down or perhaps shared orally before it ended up here. It would be almost as if uh, a pastor would uh, be preaching a sermon and take words from how great is our God and place them into a text. Divinely inspired scripture, no doubt, but, but sung by the early church. That's the idea here. And here's how it begins. Although Jesus existed in the form of God, if you have an NIV, it says, being in very nature God. Now, I'm going to give you some things to write down as headings. We talked about the attitude or mindset. Now, the first thing we run into is the pre-existence of Christ. He existed in the very nature or in very nature God or in the form of God. This is Christ's pre-existence or his deity. The historical Jesus is linked with the one true and living God, Prior to the incarnation, Jesus is God, has always been God, and he's part of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is who Jesus is. Uh, on Friday, I had my beautiful mother here uh, uh, cook me a meal, and she is a wonderful cook, and somebody's got to do it. So every time I go to her house, she, she cooks me up something, and it's always really good. Well, the phone rang while we were there, and someone was leaving a message, and the person said, hi, my name is such and such, and I'm your neighbor, and she thought maybe it was one of her actual neighbors, and I want to invite you to something, and she picked up the phone, and it happened to be a Jehovah's Witness, and the Jehovah's Witness was inviting my mom, kind of doing like a cold calling, I think, of the area, to an annual event that they hold in Jehovah's Witnesses, and let me just say this to you guys, that there are wonderful people in the Jehovah's Witnesses, good, wonderful, loving people. I'm not making commentary on the people, but on the doctrine. And here's basically what the invitation was. They do an annual celebration once a year. They invite the public to come to it. And this is the one time a year where they do communion. However, no one can take communion because they have a belief of the 144,000, the special class by the way, in their chronology and how they predicted the end of the world, all of these 144,000 were born before 1914. Now, if you do some quick math in your head, you probably know that ain't many of them alive, if any. So when you go to this service, you have to basically just let the communion pass you by. And all the Jehovah's Witnesses that are there have to let it pass them by as well. Now, why do I bring it up? 
I bring it up because Jehovah's Witnesses are one group that deny the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. They say the New Testament doesn't teach that Jesus is God. And, in, and you dig a little bit in their theology, they believe that Jesus was the first and greatest creation of God and that he is Michael the archangel, but he's certainly not God, etc. But that's not what the Bible teaches. Uh, I was laughing with my mom because my grandmother who died, I think in the late 80s, was a wonderful Italian woman and she uh, loved the Lord and, and all of that. And she would say, uh, she stayed home when we were growing up and stuff. And she would say, oh, uh, I talked to the Jacobis today. And we'd say, what? Well, that was my grandma's way of saying Jehovah's Witnesses. Yeah, the Jacobis came by and I talked to the Jacobis today. We're like, what, what's this Jacoby thing? But you know, when you're Italian, you just make up words. And if they end with an I, you're pretty much good. And she said, yeah, and the other day I talked to the morbids. <laughs> Grandma. But she just kind of made up words, and some of you have relatives like that. Now, I bring it up just to tell you that there are groups that this is the central issue. Charles Taze Russell, the founder of Jehovah's Witnesses, denied the deity of Christ. He denied the Trinity. He denied salvation by grace alone through faith alone. About every essential of the historic Christian faith is denied by Jehovah's Witnesses. Now, you might say, why? Well, the issue largely centers itself around whether or not Jesus is God. And maybe you have questions like that as well. Maybe you're wondering, well, what texts actually prove that Jesus is God? This is one of them. Please note it, Jesus existed in very form as God. The word for form there, I'm going to get a little technical this morning, but I think it's going to be worth our time. The word for form there in the New American Standard Bible is morphe, M-O-R-P-H-E. So it, it means this, morphe is properly the nature or essence, not in the abstract, but as actually subsisting in the individual and retained as long as the individual itself exists. Morphe, morphe theu is the Greek original of this, is the divine nature actually and inseparably subsisting in the person of Christ. For the interpretation of the form of God, is, it is sufficient to say that one, it includes the whole nature and essence of deity and is inseparable from, from them since they could have no actual, actual existence without it. And that it does not include in itself anything accidental or separable, such as particular modes or manifestations. So some groups might say something like this. Oh, well, Jesus was simply the manifestation of the Father, something called modalism. No, that's not what is actually happening here. The Son, God the Son, is God. And once you say that he has the nature of God, God can't become God nor can he stop being God, amen? If God is God, then he's God. And the Bible teaches this clearly. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14 says, the Word became incarnated. He became flesh and dwelt among us, John 1, 14. And we beheld what? His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus Christ in the incarnation was God in a human body. And since he pre-existed as God, he never stopped being God. 
Here's the way to understand this, and it's profound, but I think it's a simple way to get it. He didn't stop being God. He added onto himself humanity. It was not the subtraction of deity, but the addition of humanity. God became a man in the person of Christ. Amen? Now, this is what Paul is saying. He's saying he existed in very nature God. Before the world was, Christ was there. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in a love relationship. You've been listening to The Attitude of Christ, Part 1 on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11. Hey, if you missed any part of today's program, you can always listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, we'd love to connect with our listeners, and that means you. So you can email or send Pastor Michael and the team here a letter. We love mail. So you can get all the contact information at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. But if you have a pen and you're ready, the email address is contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. And here's the snail mail address. You can write us at P.O. Box 2063, Corona, California, 92878. That's P.O. Box 2063, Corona, California, 92878. And remember that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast for free, and it helps us do our free apologetic events too. So please consider becoming a monthly partner of at least $5 a month. You can donate at walkintruth.com. And join us Monday for part two of Pastor Michael Lance's teaching in Philippians 2, 5 through 11, called The Attitude of Christ. I'm Mike Massaro, and thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.